One of the favorite people that I ever met was Hiram Broyles. I remember meeting him when he was brought in by his granddaughter and her husband. And I only knew him as a very quiet person. Hiram always seemed very happy, but rarely said words to anyone. Very pleasant. His granddaughter explained that he was confused about where he was. He remembered his granddaughter, but because he lived with his daughter who was in her 70s and he was in his early 90s, uh, there was some confusion as to exactly what cognitive condition he was in. The time I really met him was around 8.30 one night and Hiram was the only resident who was up. I was working late and was about ready to leave and I saw that he was watching the big screen TV all alone. And what he was watching was the baseball game. It was the year that the Seattle Mariners were really good. And he was quietly watching and I asked him if I could sit down and watch with him and he said sure. We watched the last few innings and in between innings and when there was a lull in the game I tried to engage him in conversation not real successfully until I said, uh, Hiram, did you ever play baseball? And it was like he came alive. He looked at me for the first time that evening. I really looked at me, smiled, and he said, I was a professional baseball player, but I had to know more. So when the game began again, he explained in between pitches with an increasing excitement that he not only was the captain of the Texas A&M Aggie baseball team, but he signed a contract with the Beaumont Exporters, which was a minor league team, but a good one, in the Texas League. And he was a roommate of Carl Hubble. Now, baseball fans know who Carl Hubble is. He's a Hall of Famer who had the famous screwball and Hiram told stories of what they did in the minor leagues. We talked baseball for the rest of that game, and as I said goodnight to him, I just knew that something good was going to happen because he was excited. Uh, now I know what was going on, and he was reliving those times that he was playing baseball in college and then as a, a pro in the minor leagues. I remember over the next few days that Hiram smiled every time that I saw him and I talked a little bit about baseball and wanted to know more about him. One of the resources that any activity director or wellness director needs to really tap into are relatives, and not necessarily every relative, but Looking for one relative who seems to be engaged and visiting often enough that you can approach that relative and ask to talk, talk privately, what we did with Hiram Broyles is a really good example. When his granddaughter came in and I asked her uh, if I could ask her a few questions about her grandfather, her eyes lit up. That tells you that that person's got stories to tell and clues on what you can do. So what we did was to sit down, and I told her about what happened when he and I watched a few innings of a ball game, and I found out how much he loved baseball. And what she said was that what he really loved was flying. So he was someone who had a hidden 
light that no one knew. He wasn't out going to tell anybody, but an activity or wellness director has a duty to try to dig. That's treasure hunting. So what Michelle did was to explain several points of his aviation life, almost 40 years of piloting before World War II, during World War II, for United Airlines, for Pan American Airlines. I definitely wanted to know more. One of the lessons I learned working with Hiram Broyles and his granddaughter was that if you don't ask, you'll never know. And what I asked as we were parting was, what's one highlight of his flying life that he would enjoy talking about? And she gave me a nugget. She gave me a vein of gold that I dug down. It's memory mining. She said he loves to talk about his aviation days in China in the 1930s. He was a pilot for Pan American Airways, assigned to China Airlines. I built on what Michelle told me and used it as the key to get to Hiram and talk to him. Over a series of conversations, I learned that he was a good friend with Lieutenant Chenault, who was the leader of the famous Flying Tigers. He was a good friend of Captain Jimmy Doolittle, who led the bombing raid on Tokyo. He was famous among pilots, but he was so quiet and shy, but he was a leader in the field of aviation in the early days. And his discussion about flying in China led to one mention of Pearl S. Buck. He was apparently a friend of the famous writer who won not only the Nobel Prize for Literature, but also won the Pulitzer Prize as well for The Good Earth. What I was noticing as Hiram was telling me these stories was how much he enjoyed telling the story to me. So I decided to put together an activity that would be on the next month's calendar and he would simply be able to put those stories together. And with just a little bit of help from me and from Michelle, who wanted to be there to hear her grandfather. So with the help of Hiram's granddaughter, we put on a spectacular talk. And during the talk, I realized not only was he working through those points in his life that he told me, but he was most excited when he didn't stop at World War II, but went right through it to one of the highest points, and I'm using that to tease you, the highest points of his life, which is the highest point on earth. He explained that he was specifically requested to help Sir Edmund Hillary map out the route that he would be climbing Mount Everest. Hiram explained that he had gone over the hump, as they call the Himalayas, from China to India as a young pilot, and that he knew the terrain. Everyone learned who he was, and if they weren't attending, they heard about him and the famous climber and the famous pilots that he knew. One of the best uses of our limited activity department budget was when we sponsored a nearby Little League team. The plan was designed this way. If we sponsored the team and we had the team come by every so often in their uniforms and we could go to their games when the weather permitted and we had people who wanted to go, 
we would be able to celebrate their wins, be with them with their losses. We'd have that intergenerational contact. And I was looking for something that would attract both the men and the women. The men because they may have played baseball, Little League, and the women because they often had kids who played Little League. So sponsoring the team worked, but there was a real highlight one day. It was was a miserable day. It wasn't raining, so they were going to play, and nobody wanted to go except Hiram Broyles. Now, Hiram was that 90-year-old that came out of his shell after he and I started talking while watching a Mariners game on TV, just the two of us. Well, because he wanted to go and I wanted to go with him, we not only went to the game, but we got permission to sit in the dugout during the game with the players. Now I know that mirror neurons were in effect. He was going back in time with the sights and the sounds, not from the stands, but from the dugout watching kids play baseball. Not just viewing it, but feeling it, smelling it, hearing it from a different point of view. It's a point of view that his brain was in a time warp going back to when he was younger. There's no scientific test that we could conduct back then, nor did we have any reason to. I didn't need a scientific test to show that his face was actually mirroring what was going on in his mind, and that is he was out there on the field with the boys, and that's mirror neurons in action.